0: Welcome to another special Thursday. My name is Eric Mukaya. I'm the host today. It's very important that you understand the budget making process. So tomorrow, the National Treasury is launching the process for the financial year 2023 2024 budget making process. The end result is usually a finance bill and then a finance act. So you want to go through the process and can be able to know at what points is your input required so you can be able to participate in the process. In the ruling by the by the High Court, I think last week on the finance bill, it said something to do with this is one of the most discussed uh, finance act um, in the history of the country, uh, the Finance Act 2023. So I think people are outraged about the proposals that made it to the end. But I think um, generally it's good to be aware of the process that leads to that act because there are many points at which your opinion is sought and most people tend to ignore those. It is an important uh, juncture to spend the next one hour just understanding the process so that we can be able to see at what point is our input required and how can we make a difference in those processes. And to help us with that is James. Uh, James, uh, maybe you can introduce yourself a bit and then you can tell us uh, what you do. So over to you, James. Thank you very much.
1: Uh, my name is James Muragori. I'm the Chief Executive Officer of the Institute of Public Finance. The Institute of Public Finance um non-profit think tank. Uh, that works uh, to advance uh, evidence on public finance uh, ecosystem. And in our work, um, we seek to look at government, government uh, resources, that's government tax correction and uh, spending priorities. As a think tank, primarily our mission being to advance evidence for policy and action. And you we're know, going to working across uh, 21, um, 21 counties in Kenya, and uh, also with scope of work expanding to Ethiopia, still supporting government investments in the health sector, in agriculture, in education, climate financing, and also generally looking at the transparency, accountability, and public participation of citizens in budget processes. Thank you.
0: All right. Thank you so much. Maybe tell us a bit about how long you've been working at your think tank, and what I think tank really is to those people who don't know. Mokaya, our- I'm privileged to have been the founder
1: of the Institute of Public Finance. The Institute of Public Finance was founded in 2013 at the onset of devolution, Kenya. And the core driving at that point was provide technical assistance to county governments. Then as they started off providing services at the county level as envisioned by the constitution and as required as part of principles of public finance in the constitution. And IPF, over the last uh, 10 years, this February, we celebrated 10 years of existence. And we've been driving our conversation with both state and non-state actors, and as a key primary actor within the PFM space, providing technical assistance, which is one thing that's one of the core things that we do, and the work that we do as a think tank. And as a think tank, and and thanks Mokai for asking me to clarify what a think tank, a think tank would be an agency primarily the experts who work in it generate evidence that seeks to start public debate on a critical area, on our on sector. At IPF, we work across six major areas, and one of them is we seek to drive conversations on the formal mechanisms of public participation in the budget process, especially at the county level, and with a specific focus on the county budget and economic forum, which is the creation of Section 1, 37, of the Public Finance Management Act. Two, we mobilize citizens to drive awareness on government decisions and the efficiency of spending of public resources and keeping the citizen involved in order to also push for accountability of public resources. Number three, IPF, we pursue what we call reviewing the dark corners of the budget clauses, and these include contingent liabilities, and debts, PPPs, that's public-private partnerships. And number four, IPF has an amazing fellowship program uh, that seeks to keep supporting the public finance ecosystem with appropriate expertise. And so we learn an annual public PFM fellowship program that supports PhD candidates in order to pursue an area of the interest for them to link their work from a practitioner's perspective. Number five, it's on generation of analytic products. And this includes our flagship products like the macro fiscal analytics snapshot that we release every year in January. And the macro analytics snapshot generates some important key messages and critical milestones that the, uh, the country keeps checking across the year, including growth, public debt parameters, revenue forecasting, expenditure, and as as presented in the implementation reports. And then we also produce the national annual shadow budgets, the first of its kind, literally in this region that seeks to present an alternative view of the national budget as presented to Parliament by the National Treasury. And this specifically seeks to drive the conversation on what would happen if the specific decisions were taken and what would be the loan of citizens and parliamentarians, be. how can it be entrenched further in the budget process. Yeah, so those are the key things that w- we work on IPF. And like I said, we're working across 21 counties and in Ethiopia, partners, amazing partners who support our work and a, an amazing team at IPF that understands the public budget ecosystem within the region.
0: So maybe then we can start with the budgeting process. You can tell us a bit about which part of parliament now over guides the treasury in terms of making the budgeting process. Maybe you can tell us also the point at which maybe First, let's start by just a general overview of how the budgeting process starts from now until June next year, when there is an aft. Before you go there, maybe you can tell people a bit about the fiscal year of a government, especially the Kenyan one. It's not like a calendar year, so people need to be aware of that. So let's start with that. Once us to get there, we have to look at how does the government operate. The budget process has
1: four sections on four stages, to say so. And these four stages: there is the budget formulation as a stage, then there is a budget approval as a stage, there is a budget implementation, and there is the budget review and oversight. Now, a government fiscal year lands for twelve months, and these are not calendar months. Like if no, no more calendar January to December. This is from July first of July to thirtieth of June is when the government of Kenya fiscal year lands. But an in interesting bit about it. Ordinarily, one single budget will cut across three different years. So ordinarily, for government to run through a full budget, it takes on average of roughly around 26 months. So literally almost two years. To try and contextualize this, as we talk right now, we are in the process now where we are auditing the budget for financial year 2022 2020. At the same time, we have started implementing the budget for twenty-three. So that's the context where the way it is, but I will take us back to stage number one. And stage number one is the budget formulation process. Now, for us to get this learning properly and and having a proper understanding of the budget process, especially for those who are new to this uh, context, the budget will look at what I will consider key budget documents. And what are these key budget documents? These key budget documents are documents that primarily have to find their way to parliament as generated by the executive. And also these documents present a good opportunity for citizen engagement. So let's start at where the budget process starts. For those who are aware, tomorrow, the National Treasury Cabinet Secretary will be launching the budget preparation process for the financial year 2024-2025. And what does that mean? Including, It means that by the end of this month, As required by Section 36 of the Public Finance Management Act 2012, the the, the Cabinet Secretary has to release a budget circular. And this budget circular has to provide key movements from 1st of September all the way to 30th of June until when the President is expected to sign the next Appropriation Act so that we can have an Appropriation Act to allow spending of resources from the Consolidated Fund for the financial year 2024-2025. So so the first key document that you want to look at when you want to engage with the government is whether, before April 30th of August, whether the Cabinet Secretary, National Treasury, has released a circular. And so this process, I would also want to contextualize and let you know that this process also lands concurrently at the Uh. county level. And counties have the same process. As the national government and documents are similar very similar maybe worded differently with regard to title or an extra document at the county level and we look at that at the, le- at the county level we have the county executive committee member the cc in charge of finance is the one responsible for generating the circular detailing how the budget process will learn with regards to operation and that's up 30th of june when the governor is expected to sign on or before time. So that is the circular. The circular gives citizens and stakeholders interested in this conversation an opportunity to see where, uh, where they can be able to, to engage. So let's pick the first document after the circular. and Allow me to start with the count. At the county level, we have the annual development plan, the ADP. The ADP is an annual extract from the County Integrated Development Plan. The County Integrated Development Plan is a five-year planning document that's required by the county governments, And this document details the plan. And this, the CIDP also is fed by sectoral plans, which are long-term 10-year plans that feed into a five-year plan. And then the annual development plan at the county level is expected feed and peak from the County Integrated Development Plan. So that is the first document you look at in every planning financial year. And the annual development plan, our, our timeline are extremely very tricky because it requires that the annual development plan should be presented to the county assembly by the 1st of September every year. Of course, you can see the practicality, that it's not possible to have that document. So they're always dressed. On this document, but an amazing number of counties are able to meet this very tight schedule, and which, from where we sit at IPS, we believe it's high time that this timeline is reviewed because it does not present enough time for engagement in the transition of our financial year and the next one planning. Now, the national level, the fact document that you'll come and gloss once the circular is out would be in this formulation stage would be what would be called the Budget Review and Outlook paper. And at this particular point, you will focus on the Outlook section of the BRO. So we have the Budget Review and Outlook paper, but you are interested at this particular point to look at the Outlook section. Now, the Outlook section is the one that gives us some bit of thinking through of what the government is planning for the next financial year. Remember, our budgeting process, it's always in the medium term. Meaning that like the government looks at planning processes within three years also. It's never a one-year framework. For people to have a better understanding of government planning is that the government planning is always in the medium. And just to mention also that our budgeting process also has an opportunity of improving the quality and the comprehensiveness of our budget documents. So what does this mean? It means that our budgeting process and our budgeting documents are envisaged To be presented from a program-based budget perspective, meaning that for every state department or an accounting department, they must be able to present their budget in a way that shows what's the objective of the department, what are the programs being learned for that financial year, what are the targets we can expect to achieve within a financial year. So that is the outlook set of the budget review and outlook paper. Now, and which ordinarily would be out... By fifteenth of October, or thereabout, as required by the law.
0: Just a bit, so that we can review your name You don't get lost. True. So far, you say that tomorrow they're launching the circular detailing the budget process that we run until the next year, right? Yes. And concurrently, the county governments also doing the same. After that, the next key date is 15th October when we have the budget review uh, paper, which will have an outlook section, which will give us a bit of a flavor on what the government intends to do for the next year. Absolutely. A a quick question. Looking at maybe last year's, did you see some of the proposals that made it to the final discussion point, like the housing levy being included in that, or was it just a bit too early last year?
1: No. Remember last year, there was a contestation and the presidential election determination around the 13th of September, some of those things did not make it to the budget review and outlook paper, especially the outlook section. And we are not likely to get those granular details the outlook paper. And this document, it comes in two forms. You'll find a draft copy that comes out for public discussion before it goes to the cabinet. And then a final copy that gets published and sent as part of. And this forms the budget review and outlook paper forms our final report of the financial year that immediately passed. That's the way it works. And I want to make it clear that the budget review and outlook has two sections. has the review section and the review section, we will look at audit and oversight section of the budget process, the outlook section, which gives some bit of insights into the government thinking. And then these documents, where can i find them? Amazingly, the National Treasury makes available these documents on the website. So documents, if you go to the National Treasury website, you'll find these documents. And consistently over the last six years, that I have been privileged to assess the budget transparency in Kenya under the Open Budgets Survey, and the Open Budgets Survey is the only global review of government budgets transparency. Kenya has consistently been able and higher close Africa with regard to transparency and making government budgets publicly available.
0: Perfect. Uh, now we can proceed. We were on fifteenth October. Uh, we look at the Budget Review and Outlook paper. What happens next? So the, once we've done the Outlook paper, and the Outlook paper has to be approved by the
1: cabinet, and cabinet approves this uh, document, then the circular, as uh, you'll see once uh, this, uh, the launch happens tomorrow, it will move to what's called the, the creation of the sector working groups. Now, the sector working groups are where now the details get hammered. Now, let me go back to the Outlook section. The Outlook section will give an indicative and including revenues of the next budget and also provide some indicative ceilings of how much do we expect for the financial year 2024 2025 to be allocated for the health sector, for the water and irrigation, uh, and staff uh, and, and the rest of the department. So that is the outlook section. So that outlook section, from where the provisions are, go further now to provide guidance to the sector working groups. The sector working groups are determined are determined based on the classification of government functions, COCOG, for those who may be aware on the classification of government functions. So we have health as a standalone sector, and we have agriculture, rural urban development. Then we have general economic and commercial affairs. There are quite quite a number of them, and I would recommend that people check on the National Treasury website to see where specific sectors follow. Now, if you think about it, the sector working groups, These are now the technical elements of where people go to negotiate because the National Treasury will issue some determining ceilings of the sectors. Now, the sectors will come together. For example, let's take GECO. That's Economic and Commercial Affairs Section. And this sector has uh, institutions like National Treasury, for example. Let me take, for example, also the health sector. The health sector primarily. It's alone, but yeah, GECA, GECA would have, for example, would have trade and enterprise development, industrialization, tourism, East Africa community, regional and Northern corridor, for example, and the standards, semi-autonomous. Now, at the sector working group level, because the block has indicative ceilings and the national treasury has communicated the process. At this point, if they were told that you have hundred billion. This is where they bid for resources. And each, for example, permanent secretary will be in and will ask, I, as the permanent secretary responsible for trade and enterprise development, our requirements are as this and this. And that's why for instance, you'll notice when ultimately the budget finds itself to parliament, you'll find the permanent secretaries and the CSs will go to parliamentary defense to their committees, including asking them, can you... Negotiate for us much more money. Because remember, in all of this process, the ultimate decision maker on how resources are spent and taxes corrected is Parliament. National Treasury is a facilitator because the National Treasury also requires Parliament to approve spending. If we have taken GECA, for example, and this is General Economic and Commercial Affairs. For those sections, and for this, I'm using the previous administration. If you look at the executive order for 2023, it might give you some clear indication on which sectors are on this one. Now, the technical teams will meet and each will present their priorities for the year, and they will agree, now we all have hundred billion. So what are your priorities and what are my priorities? What were your allocations for the previous year, but also remember there must be the, the political question because, for example, housing, where housing is in the previous administration, not must much attention. It means in this particular budget, they will receive much more attention because there's a political consideration as this part of the president's specific agendas. So that is the sector working group. And this sector working group reports, and they are also happening at the same time at the county level. They are going to feed in into the budget policy statement. Now, the budget policy statement is the requirement of Section 25 of the Public Finance Management Act. One of the key challenges we have with the sector working groups is that there is no proper mechanism for public to interact with the technocrats determining which resources go to which department or sector. It is still a very gross section, and it's a part of the conversations we're having at IPF over the last many years, trying to to show, uh, including Parliament, why it is necessary for the sector working groups to allow for engagement uh, with the citizens and other stakeholders. However, the sector working groups invite partners into those conversations. But mostly, as we've seen, they're partners who are providing technical assistance to government or they're provided budgetary support to government. So ordinary citizens like you and I might not be able to influence any decisions that in the working group session. There is one session that happens at KICC throughout a certain week, specific week, where we have permanent secretaries for each sector on a State Department come and take people through. Now that sector working group, but that's very tokenistic quite special because when that presentation is made, you can never have an opportunity to engage properly. There needs to be provided a proper mechanism for engagement. So the outcome of the sector working group reports will feed into the budget policy statement which is submitted to Parliament by 15th of every February, by National Treasury. So that submission has to be made. And we have seen that in the recommendations for this year, under the leadership of Honorable Dede Nyoro, there has been a proposal to increase the time between which Parliament receives that document and the time they are allowed to make a decision. Because they only have 14 days as per the law to receive that document, subjected to public participation, and make a determination on whether to approve it as it is or approve with amendments. That is February April, year, and so that, at the county level, we have the county fiscal strategy paper, which is equivalent of the budget policy statement. Now, those two documents, once they are approved by Parliament or the county assembly, they provide ceilings and say the health sector or the, health state, the state department for Health, we have allocated you 100 billion to plan to finalize your budget for the financial year 2024, 2025. Now go. And work within the scope of this envelope of 100 billion. should be no, no deviations. Also, the law requires that should, the recommendations of the budget policy statement must be presented by the Cabinet Secretary, National Treasury, when submitting the budget proposals to Parliament by 30th of April every year. Let me stop there, Bukai, and in case there is any, any question that you might ask, then we can move to the next section, which will be the approval stage of the budget process.
0: A bit of a recap again, the circular comes out tomorrow and then 15th October, we have the budget review and outlook. And then in between there, state departments are going to be giving input and sector working groups are also giving inputs. County level, it is happening at the same time. Budget policy statement, it's needed by 15th Feb. And then by 30th April, something needs to be presented. Maybe you can remind me on 30th April, what we need to be looking out for. Let, 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 me,
1: let, me, let me go back to um, the sector working groups provided analyze their proposals uh, feed into the budget policy statement which should be presented to parliament by 15th of every year and must be oh. prov- approved within fourteen days with or without amendments now the county fiscal strategy paper at the county level must be presented to the county assembly by the 28th of every February, February for approval within fourteen days with or without Amendment. So again, to see how, how how short the timeline is for 14 days.
0: This allowed though, for really substantive discussions on some of these uh, really major issues when you have such really tight timelines. Like now, we just finished the Finance Act. That's a month ago. It's still in court. It's a court case, and there is start, now have to start planning for the next uh, budget cycle. And we're already now almost uh, a month into uh, the this new cycle because now you have to start in the and all. And then soon there's the, uh, as you said, the the Outlook paper is out. Then it feels like it's a bit of a marathon. How do you then uh, zoom out in terms of maybe creating a five-year plan to achieve something and at the same time work out these smalls, like how everything fits together in terms of achieving that meta goal towards that? Do you, do you think that... The budget process is a bit too short-term oriented. Interesting
1: way to look at it, but remember, the government is moving parts, many parts. And the national treasury, for example, you see the national treasury is driving this conversation, but they're actually not the ones doing. They are working like a consolidation process, they do consolidation process. So they're gonna consolidate the final report that comes to you know, a review now. Too. But remember, also within that time, we are having. In the implementation stage, which we look at, we are having implementation reports. So they are coming. So every quote, there are things happening, but, and there are so many departments that are involved, for example, within national treasury that are coordinating with our state departments and the county level. But we all agree that potentially then there is no, no ability for, uh, or opportunity for meaningful engagement outside the, the major players uh, who are keen in the process. The only point at which now there is substantial room for engagement in the budget process becomes now what we saw in the Binance Act between 1st of May and 30th of June. And that's the approval stage that we're going at. So we are at 15 February. The budget policy statement has been tabled. Then wow. we move. it's approved by within 14 days. And then once it's approved by 1st of March, you have two months for the state departments to develop their budget. And the state departments are developing their budget. It is not the national treasury. The national treasury is consolidating. Now, the national treasury will ask for people to provide feedback into their draft budget proposals. But at that point, it is extremely very limited because also the national treasury is not the user of that budget. And one of the recommendations we have always made as the institute is that we want to see if it's a ministry, of open up its budget-making process so that stakeholders within the health sector can be able to meaningfully contribute. Because when a stakeholder who is interested in health sees the budget when it's being submitted, to the, the National state. Treasury, good intentions with standing, they have got no capacity to assess what health factors are. The National Treasury is literally a dispersing mechanism. And the National Treasury, it's not only a dispersing mechanism for the national government they also have to take care of the county processes. So we want to see the budget process open up. If it's the state department for environment, if it's the state department for mining, we want them to have their budget process and engage stakeholders who are within that sector. Because when it's a consolidated budget, and I said my comments to the National Treasury on feedback about the mining sector, for example, we've worked with communities in Kuana County, and who would want to engage with base titanium who are mining in Kuana County? And then we have to set some missions. The National Treasury at that particular point within the window at which they release budget documents for engagement then become extremely very limited on how they, 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 they can get that feedback from base titanium. However, because base titanium has an opportunity to engage with the Ministry of Mining, it is very easy then for the Ministry of Mining to engage me as a stakeholder and I can give them feedback on what I suppose probably base titanium doing with regards to uh, extraction, a climate question will be able to engage at that level. So that is it. So you find that it's a proper marathon process. But because of time factor, allow me again now to move to the next stage, which is the approval stage. And the approval stage happens by 1st of May because it is expected and provided by our Public Finance Management Act of 2012 that by 30th of April, every year, the Cabinet Secretary of the National Treasury, the County Executive Committee member in charge of finance, you know, county level would submit to the county assembly and the national assembly respectively, or to parliament respectively, the budgets for approval, for approval by 30th. Now, remember also that there have been a determinant by the court indicating that at the national level, the approval of the budget process, it's a whole parliament approach, both the Senate and the national, but there is definitely heavy political questions around that. So once the budget is submitted by the national treasury cabinet secretary, on 30th of April, Parliament has 60 days to engage citizens on the, the proposals that have been blocked by the National Treasury. And the question for engagement at that point is: do these priorities that have been presented by the executive present your interest as citizens? So that's the opportunity uh, we have. Over many years until sometimes, I think in 27, the national treasury never used to submit the finance bill together with the budget estimates. They used to have an order of correction of taxes. That the finance bill will be approved by that end of September. So in the process, once a speech has been led, then the government, the executive, will start collecting taxes based on. But a court determination made it possible that the budget proposal must be presented together with the finance bill, and that's why we saw this year both those documents were together, and they provided a proper opportunity for engagement. Now this is, is where we we say Kenyans we misquote them for at the point. The finance bill did not have any problem. But we also approved an expenditure. The budget can never be complete without revenue. So what we did is based on the, the De De report, we approved a budget, and that means we approved the expenditure part of it. but we needed to approve the revenue part of it, and which is what the finance bill was present. But also to mention that these things, including the housing levy and all these propositions, they had come as part of projections in the budget policy statement. In that was submitted to Parliament on the 15th of February. So, whoever was seeing some of these things, June was pretty late to be able to adequately play back, challenge, and provide critical back to Parliament. But we are happy to say that, according to the open budget survey, when it comes to budget for budget commission and approval, our Parliament ranks very high with the, regards to opening the space for citizens to engage on that budget. And that's why, what we saw. Of the many, almost probably thousands of missions that were made on the finance bill, they were made at the parliamentary level. So you can see what opportunities, what opportunity parliament provides to the citizens to engage. Now, those are two months for approval. And then we have the president sign the appropriation act. I don't know whether we are still together and you can count how many months that we so have learned.
0: It feels both short and long at the same time. There's two months within which they're supposed to submit all these recommendations and all. And then Parliament has to aggregate so many recommendations, put them together, and then you, of course, present them and then vote over them. It feels like there's a lot to be done within a short space of time in terms of collecting views. do you feel about the process of so far? Uh, because the government has to learn. Two months is pretty adequate. What needs to be is proper awareness.
1: And, uh, and we, from where we sit as IPF, we are very happy that this finance bill for 2023, 2024, created the adequate awareness we needed for citizens to feel. That budget making process should not be left out there for government. It shouldn't be a corrective responsibility for all of us as citizens and taxpayers. While it looks a short process, if we know that by the opening the cabinet secretary will table, then it means as soon as this document is tabled, all of us will be in the first week, we'll be able to be on the lookout,
0: questioning each and every decision that has been made.
1: For us to increase or the same or challenge the
0: same. A quick one also, when, when you look at some of the documents that are tabled sometimes, they're a bit technical in terms of a them engaging so them. What are some of the, like, the tools that you can maybe encourage people to use, especially common money, into, to be able to engage and to understand some of the implications of the stuff that are being proposed?
1: One of the incredible things that National Treasury does is that they produce uh, a citizen version of the budget. And also our institution, the Institute of Public Finance and the International Budget Partnership. We land sessions with citizens and also we have produced a budget calendar so, people can check at the International Budget Partnership Kenya website to see the calendar, the budget calendar, and, and a simplified version of understanding the PFM Act and how to be able to follow that process. So, that's a way that you would want to look at the best way for this process to be. Seen. Because, as you have rightly put it, it's a very technical process. And so, it locks out many people out of this process.
0: All right, maybe you can finish that process and then you can be able to take a few questions. This is, I felt like we did only one hour, but it seems like we need to much more than well, an hour. clearly, it's quite, quite a detailed process. We have moved to the
1: approval process, which has taken us two months. But let me take you back to where we start. On 30th of August, we are preparing the budget for financial year 24, 2025 We've already had August, September, October, November, December, January, February, March, April, May, June. Those are 11 months preparing the budget and having it approved. So now once the budget has been approved, it, it takes the next 12 months to be implemented from 1st of July to 13th of oh. June. So we start from 1st of July, 2024, to 13th of June, 2025, to implement that budget. Those are 12 months. Already we are on 23 months for the one budget, one government budget. That's is- where I would want to see. So do, I recommend that people do not look at the budget in isolation. When it starts, which is first of July, to when it ends, that's the shortest part of it. Twelve months. That's the shortest part of it. Because after you finish, you have another six months for audit. That takes us to exactly twenty-nine months for one government budget, and you have not taken the time that the parliamentary committees take to interrogate the audit findings and for those to take corrective measures. So you can take that one government budget approximately twenty-nine months to be finalised in the entirety without now considering the remedial measures that will be taken by parliament from that. But now, in the implementation process, there are what we call implementation reports. So every three months, we have National Treasury and the Controller of Budget release budget implementation reports. And there are four of them that are released. There are three, and the last one is a quarter four report that Council comes to us with the review section of the budget review and outlook paper So you see, we have taken four reports, four quarterly implementation reports, and that now, it means that every month we are getting feedback. Every three months, we're getting feedback on how the budget is being implemented and how much level are we correct. So that's a way people should look at that. Every three months, please be on the lookout for the report. And also, we are asking the National Treasury and concerned institutions from IPF perspective that they should be able to ask citizens to present feedback on on the things that are happening funded by the budget. Even the National Government, you can say that because we have the budget, please check are there things that are happening? Let them be included in the budget implementation. So, once we finish the budget implementation reports, we go to uh, the budget review and outlook paper, the review section. The review section is the one that again comes uh, in October and gives us the perspective. It's a final report that ties the budget from the national treasury perspective. Because this is how we've spent our resources, and then uh, that's linked to the outlook section. And after that, it takes the auditor general another six months to prepare the audit report. But generally, because of constraints and different challenges, our audit reports lag pretty much to an extent that they come out after 12 to 18 months. So that you can see. But one thing you can notice is that the National Treasury and the control of budget will make available budget implementation reports in a timely manner. And that has been incredible over the last many years. And I think that process in presents a very good opportunity. When we understand that process as citizens. We are able to now effectively engage and drive the conversations on the budget process so that we can support uh, the improvements required. We can look deeply into the efficiency of allocation of resources and how we can keep the government, the executive uh, accountable and play our part as citizens. Thank you very much. And that's the entirety of the 29 months of the budget making process in Kenya, and I hope people would be keen enough to continue engaging once tomorrow, the National Treasury CS launches at the
0: budget process. Thank you so much. Uh, I think that's a really good recap. I wanted to ask you specifically, so at what point do you think WANANJU should be more involved or at least to pay attention to, uh, so that they can be able to, to get their voices heard in this budget making process and of importance. I think often Kenyans get frustrated in the sense of they feel like the opinions that they give don't get taken into account in the budget-making process in the end. So how would you advise, Wanainji, to go about uh, getting the the input hard in this process? There has been a very
1: great deal about what we call tokenistic approach to public participation clause, where the public participation clause is, is a ticker box affair. Now, we know that, the, for example, the National Treasury, in the budget process statement provides a feedback, sexual feedback on what citizens have said about the document and what the feedback is. But sometimes we are not very, very clear on what exactly it means for that. Now, everyone needs to be out there as a citizen that the engagement process in the budget process is available throughout, and it is our responsibility to be proactive. The best case study of participation whether from a political perspective or not, would be our parliament. Our parliament, the budget committee, takes time to go around the counties, at least 12 counties every financial year. And that process, in their report they present and say, when we went to Kakamek, when we went to Vehika, when we went to Narno, the citizens said they wanted APCD. This is what we have included as a result of public participation. It would have been, the citizens wanted a borehole, for example, but... If they wanted a borehole, those just their problem is not a borehole. Their problem is water. How you get them water is all what matters. And so we have seen the parliamentary reports providing that feedback, saying that we were able to provide, we are making this recommendation for consideration for funding by the executive because we met with citizens and we expressed their interest. So we encourage citizens, and the work we are doing across 21 counties is majorly to support citizens and government institutions to be able to be more proactive in the engagement in the budget process. From both the supply and demand side, the government supplies these things, the citizen demands these things. So we create that link between the two agencies and say, please present this opportunity and say, this opportunity has been presented. How do we engage? So there's that opportunity for participation across the budget policy statement. but we must be able to understand, we must be able to keep ourselves that the only way we can be able to positively influence Absolutely. that budget is by actively participating. And the price we have to pay for driving an effective
0: budget making process is to participate. And- so we shouldn't shy away from the process. I should be surprised uh, that uh, I think a few friends have told me that uh, when they submitted the responses, they've actually been taken into consideration in the I think it's it's not a futile process. Someone wanted me to ask you a bit about your macro outlook for the remainder of the year. We have issues in the macro section, like if you look at our rates, they're going a bit higher. The central bank raised rates very sharply, 100 basis points, at least, in, I think that was in June. And then post a bit uh, this month. All that is going through the system. The exchange rates is not doing so well. We are in a tight spot in terms of uh, next year, we need to pay back some of the money that we borrowed in terms of the euro bond. Any thoughts on Kenya's debt situation, the macro space, and how that uh, has been playing out um, as you think about it yourself?
1: We've done some bit of looking at what we presented at the beginning of the year. And so we feel like there is still some bit of policy inconsistencies and variations at the medium term, with the Monetary Policy Committee reporting a 46% reduction in domestic following. So but that, of course, it's a good trigger that is going to happen and change uh, how the borrowing will, will happen internally. And so for example, the, the MPC is saying that we're going to borrow externally in order to show up our, our account, our forex account. Uh, it has its implication as we continue borrowing, but also we still believe that we have high level projections as opposed to expenditure reduction.
0: And that, for that point though, then this is something that 190 keeps saying about, talking about in the sense of, we keep wanting to raise more revenues, but the accountability for where these revenues are going is actually a challenge. And then the government has not been seemingly very willing to cut down on expenses. Now, do you think there is a point where it reaches actually where it's too much, where we actually need to really cut down on expenses? Yeah, we say we do not have a revenue problem. We have an expenditure
1: problem at the country. And of course, I'll quote one Oxford scholar who said the government's are stage. They waste a lot and they will leave the government's wasting. That, that's expected for political expediency. But then it, that definitely comes at a cost. When it comes to macro, we had expected at the beginning of the year that the economy was going to grow 5.1% this year. We haven't changed much from IPF historical on But we still believe that there is an opportunity for governments, especially the HHK, to tame the appetite for borrowing. Unless we are financing our, our, our debt, and we know we have the euro coming up next year, that's likely to strain our finances. I think the debt that's fallen due in September, and of course, the oil payment that's due in September. So all these dynamics, we, know, we expect the, the, the fiscal pace to continue being tight, but there's opportunity. We've got to take this in a very difficult way for the next one one year. But you're looking within the next five months, what happens before we launch the next macro fiscal analytics snapshot in January? to see whether there's any significant changes that will realize, especially with the review. And are really we likely to have a supplementary budget between now and December, which have been, you know, the current issue with the previous administration. Those are some of the key things we are following up from a macro perspective and how it happens. And this particular point also keep notice is that now, literally all both fiscal and macro institutions seem to have now substantive leadership. That can drive cheap the cheap environment, the fiscal and monetary environment in the spaces. So, again, that contributes because when there is uncertainty in leadership, then it definitely has an impact on the investment climate.
0: Tell us a bit about the, the supplementary. I don't understand why, once you've created a budget, you need another budget in the middle of the year at end. What's happening there usually? Why do you need to supplement a budget? Supplementary budgets, most of the time analysis costs
1: Need to realize expenditures that have risen within the financial year or within a specific by law and which those expenses were not foreseen. So the executive is allowed to spend and then come to parliament to regularize the expenditures. And of course, that's what we saw with the, this mass transaction of purchase of telcom by the previous administration and which parliament was this. The administration was legally allowed to spend, I think a maximum of 10% of something. So they are allowed to spend and then come to parliament to legalise the transaction. It is extremely important because during COVID, when COVID happened, and some of the things could not wait for the normal appropriation process to happen. A decision
0: has to be made to lives and the economy and so that we can, can trick our you. Oh, like, I don't think there are any questions from the public. Maybe a final question before we go. Uh, there's a devolution conference going on in Singishu County. Talk a bit about devolution and budgeting and how that fits into the national budget. And then also there's a lot of pending bills, a lot of hassle uh, and uh, tussle between the county government and the national government and who provides sometimes. Uh, so how uh, has the been experience been the last 10 years of work? We have grown. Devolution
1: has really opened up this country. Let's give credit to SU. It's been incredible, incredible thing that happened to this country. Today, if you want Kenyans to kill you, please start demod- withdrawing the, the support that devolution provides to citizens at that level. because it means we brought uh, power and service very, very closely. Challenge is not withstanding. in my opinion, over the last 10 years, what has been lacking at the county level has majorly been accountability. We devolve major corruption. So that is what needs to be addressed. And we need the national government to devolve all the functions that they are holding, There are many f- functions, like there are 14 major functions. And then, when those functions are unbattled, they are probably overhanged. They need to be unbattled, and the resources need to follow functions. And once that has happened, then institutions, let oversight institutions hold those who spend our resources badly to account. So, our goal, devolution, is that devolution has worked, and it is working. So, it needs to be supported. And that support can only happen by devolving all the remaining functions plus the resources that are there, and then keeping them accountable for those resources. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you so much, James. always a planner. We'll uh, try to have you again at some various points during the budgeting process. You can remind people what's happening. We will be happy to have maybe some infographics from you that would help Kenyans uh, to keep reminding themselves how they can print and keep with them so they can be able to know at what points their input is needed and where they can actually be engaging and how also they can participate in terms of finding new guys. I think you do a good job in that regard. So maybe you can tell people where they can find you, where you're located and what are some of the activities that people can participate in. We can be found immediately online, on form on Twitter, where we are, at IPF Global, on Facebook, on our website. Thank you so much, James, for giving us your time this uh, Thursday. Uh, for now, I want to thank everyone who's been in the audience. Thank you so much for joining us today.